Uh, hello everyone, welcome back to the Hamster Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today we're doing on the live stream here in the office. So today we're talking about small business. So everyone introduce yourselves. Ladies first, uh, I'm, Zoe Horn <laughs> I'm Zoe Hornsby. I am from Assisting Businesses Virtually. Timothy Hirsch with Plants and Distinct Benefits locally here in New Hampshire. And Jack Wang with Longhorn Financial. I'm an independent financial advisory uh, helping small business owners. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. I know you two have been on before. You have not. I'm a newbie. <laughs> yeah, so this will be a fun. So let's get started. Um, businesses often have issues, and it's typically not too, too bad when it's a solo, kind of a one-person thing, but I think when you guys really get involved, it's you're, you're one person kind of getting ready to go into two, three, into that section of the business, so uh, let's talk about issues. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever wants to start with that. Where do I start? That's, <laughs> like a, that's like a whole big book. Yeah, I'm um, not sure we have enough time for that, but, but that's okay. Um, I know for me, so uh, I had deal a lot with the payroll side, and I see the biggest issues. There's a couple of big issues. The first one is that employ when they go to start to employ someone, they don't know the different taxes that need to be taken out. Obviously, New Hampshire has no state tax, but it has federal and it has the FICA matches. And I think a lot of businesses don't realize that, yes, you're hiring someone for $500 a week, but that's not really what you're paying for them. You've got to pay into the state unemployment. You've got to pay in the FICA match for the employee. So I think that's the first the first step that they get stuck on because now they're looking and saying, oh, well, you know, maybe it's not a, a W-2 employee, maybe it's a 1099 contractor. And there are definitely certain rules around having a 1099 contractor versus having an employee. And it's interesting because I think as we go through and, and you know this, these are great guys to be next to is one of one of I think small businesses hardest issues is finding good employees and I think the part of the problem is that their people don't want to give benefits anymore so they don't want to give the health they don't want to give the, the 401ks or the simple setups. And that's, I think what we're gonna see going forward is smaller businesses are being able to offer them because they're becoming more affordable. And that's gonna be huge. So you are really gonna have W-2 employees. There's a question I always have when it comes to payroll. ADP, Paychecks, Kronos, there's a few large companies I see constantly out there. Like, how is somebody competitive with what they do? Don't they have it all, and can't they offer the best price being well, so, so big? Well, they're out there because they're big and they can afford to advertise. Okay. <laughs> um, that's the bottom line. You know, I always say, what do you want? Do you want to call an 800 number somewhere in the middle of the country for help, or do you want to call a local cell phone number of an actual business owner who can help you? It's, it's hard. I mean, do they all do the same thing? Absolutely. Do they all have their own place? Absolutely. I mean, if you have a major hospital in the in the middle of, of Boston or the middle of Manchester that has thousands of employees and might have satellite locations under the same payroll, is an ADP or a Cronus or a, or a Paychex good for them? Yes. If it's the poor guy down the road who's got an automobile shop and he's got one employee, maybe not. Is he going to pay more being that smaller business for one of those services? Probably, okay. yeah. Because really and truly, they don't want the ones, the twosies. They don't want under 200, 250. They want the bigger clients, don't we all? Right, right. of course. <laughs> um, they really do. So there are different, what they won't tell you is there are different levels of, of platforms and services that they offer. But they won't let you know that at the time. And you will be on the bottom. I feel like I've run into where I've seen a business and I've seen two businesses about the same size. 
and they were paying different amounts. Oh, absolutely. Right, trying to figure that out, but <laughs> absolutely, that makes sense. yeah, yeah, and that's why. But I mean, I know, like on the payroll side, I know I use Associated HCM, and they're very competitive price wise. And again, you're looking at local, and it's it's they want the companies that are smaller, the ten to fifty, ten to one hundred, where they might not necessarily have an HR benefit, um, NHR group, so we can then go in and be almost like a consultant. And what's nice is bring in outside people to help with the pieces that they're experts in, like retirement, like benefits, where you've got someone that's solely focused on that. A lot of the bigger companies will incorporate it under one umbrella. And I always find you don't have somebody looking out for the client's best interest then. I've seen ADP fumble around the benefits side of it and try to offer and it's like, yeah, I never saw that as their expertise, but they decided to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's not. And, and if you have a salesperson that doesn't know what they're doing, but they have a number to meet, they're going to push for that number. And if it's an extra add-on that if they get someone to sign up for a retirement plan or they sign up for benefits, they're going to push that, but not really realize in the back of their head that that's not really the best avenue for that business. Right. I, I see it all the time, and Jack will tell you, I see 401ks. I see poor small businesses that are set up into 401ks. There might be three employees, and only one of them is putting into it. Yet yeah, they're right. being charged an astronomical administration fee. Now, Jack will tell you it's not the right way to go. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, I, I do see those types of things, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, I, th I think a large part is sometimes people just don't know, right? Yeah. Because they have, they're in their business, they're working, they're, they're fixing cars, they're, I mean, whatever it is that they're doing, and so they don't necessarily have time to look at this stuff. Um, I know you see it too, I, I know you definitely yeah. see it. Um, and so, you know, the ones who do well use those outside advisors for outside expertise because you can't be an expert in everything right you can know a lot but you can't be an expert in everything so um, I know on the on my side of things um, you know you talked about sort of finding finding so hard finding people and there was just an article I think in uh, Bloomberg or something about that where just businesses are having a tough time attracting talent um, you know, there's a lot on the on sort of my side of things that businesses can do, and so things like 401k certainly. But there's also other strategies, and the main and the big thing with small businesses is that you can um, you can legally what the term actually is you can discriminate. Uh, so certain structures allow you to uh, give a benefit plan to or retirement type of setup to one person but not to another, or put more money over here but not over here. Uh, whereas like a 401k plan is known as an ERISA plan um, where you have to cover everyone, right? As long as everyone qualifies, you know, they're full time. And you can do things like, you, you know, you can't join for a year until you're there for a year. But ultimately, once they meet the qualifications, you have to treat everybody the same. And, you know, and you're legally obligated to do so, right? I mean, company, you know, in the industry press, companies get sued. Mm -hmm. um, for not doing that. And actually, the great irony to me is investment firms themselves, people, the firms that run these plans for large employers, the investment firms themselves get sued by their own employees for not treating everybody the same. <laughs> it's really funny. I just, I just kind of laugh. Like, you know, they owe this duty to their clients, these large clients, and then for themselves, they're like, yeah, whatever, right? Here's the leftovers. <laughs> and you'll take it, you'll like it. Really um, 
So, um, but there, yeah, you know exactly. So there, you know, but there's a lot of different options besides just the 401k. You know, I think uh, part of it is the fact that um, in the corporate world, right, everybody's sort of indoctrinated. Like, oh, do you have a 401k? Do you have right? Like, it may not even be a 401k, but but that's how like everybody refers to it now yeah. as a retirement. Do you have 401k? Um, but there's so many other ways to do it. It just kind of depends on the what businesses want to do. So say, say we're in New Hampshire, because I think this is a pretty, I think we all see the same thing in our local areas, 10, 15, 20 people shop. Say I'm that business with 10 employees, eight of them I like, maybe I don't love them, and two of them I really want to stick around for a long time. What can I do with those two employees versus yeah. the eight? Yeah, you know, with the two employees, um, you know, and that's pretty common, right? Because so many small businesses, the owners uh, intimately involved day to day, they might have a few key people, you know, so if the owner's on vacation, these are the two people who I really trust to run the business, right? To, you know, to kind of oversee the other people who I like, but may not necessarily love. Um, so you can do all sorts of structures. You can do things like executive bonus, um, you can put uh, different vesting schedules and you can actually treat the two people differently. So I can say, I want to give this person more than this person. I want to give, uh, but, and, but because I give this person more, I really want them to stick around. So I want to put in a longer vesting schedule, sort of these golden handcuffs, mm -hmm. right? You can do that for this person, but not this person, right? Um, you can do things like uh, split dollar arrangements. You can do um, non-qualified deferred comp. There's so many different things. It's pretty much only limited by the imagination uh, to a large degree and, and tax laws, right? Tax laws always come into play. Um, but when it's non-owner employees, you can get very creative. And, you know, and sometimes people besides 401ks, they think about, well, uh, do I have to give up stock? You know, maybe maybe if I really want to keep this person, I need to give up some stock. And you, And I do see this sometimes. But if you think about it, if you're on the receiving end of that, right? So if I'm the employee and the owner said, Tim, you're the owner and you give me 5% stock. Well, that that's really good and that's really valuable and stuff. But anytime something big happens and we have to go to a stockholder vote, you're going to outvote me 95 to 5 every time, right? And, and I can't just turn around and sell my 5% to somebody else, right? So that 5% real, it's symbolically, it's awesome. But in reality, it's actually not very worth very much because at most I can only sell it back to you and if we don't get along anymore right you're gonna fire me and you're gonna say I'll buy you your stock mm. back but I'll, I'll give you a buck right? Mm. <laughs> right so it doesn't really it doesn't have a whole lot of meaning but with some of these structures you can put in de facto profit sharing whatever so that you can give sort of the uh, the feel of an ownership stake if you will without really having to give up ownership you know but I know on my side, those are some of the things. Um, but, but on the health insurance side, I believe you have to you have to cover everyone, right? Those are ERISA plans, right? Um, some of the time. So when you use the word health insurance, yes, there's a whole qualification that you need to meet guidelines, just like you're talking about. But there is a whole another side of the world, which I you know we discussed last time I was on the show. We discussed it as well. I'm hoping this becomes more public domain and public knowledge, but in the medical cost sharing world, which is for just layman terms, your replacement for health insurance. So it's no longer health insurance. It's done differently through something called medical cost sharing. You don't have any of those stringent rules anymore. You're free as an employer to offer it to a couple people, 
offer it differently to different people, different family sizes. For a small business owner who needs to be able to adapt and be uh, ever changing and mm -hmm. on the go, because their employees are everything. That's the you know that's their biggest investment with ten employees. That can be very helpful versus me walking in saying you have to offer it to everybody. You have to pay fifty percent, and here are the rates. They're going to be very expensive. You know, most small business owners, I would say, venture to say in New Hampshire, don't offer health insurance to all their right. people. There's a reason why, not because they don't want to. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it, it's dollars and cents. And I think healthcare, when you break it down to dollars and cents, whether it's a business or a self-employed person or even a large business, that's where it's going to make the most sense. You know, where am I saving money here? Where am I putting dollars over here? But, um, yeah, a lot of the same qualifications. And if you don't mind, I want to latch on to one term that you use, yeah. Jack. And that's, um, I remember hearing this years ago, but I don't think most people would even know. And I'm probably don't remember 100% correctly that golden handcuffs mm -hmm. I remember the concept being phenomenal but I don't know if you could put a little more to that for yeah. us yeah yeah so um so with with all these different types of uh sort of comp, you know executive bonus or compensation strategies um because there's so much flexibility and they're really non-ERISA or um sort of non-ERISA plans so they don't have to cover everyone right uh but golden handcuffs so basically you can put in different types of vesting schedules. Now, keep in mind that generally speaking, anytime you do this, right, and I said that you can be pretty much as creative as you want, you still want to keep it relatively simple, right? So you can put in like a time vesting. Uh, you know, you have to be with me for five years, 2020, 2020, 2020, uh, or you can have triggering clauses uh, upon attainment of a certain age, this happens, or, or, um, or even situations where, um, you can have a golden camp handcuff where you say, listen, I'm going to give you a bonus and here's for the cash, uh, but I get to approve or disprove any use of the cash. So if you need to take the cash and uh, go on a trip for your family, that's one thing. But sometimes business owners, especially small business owners, they might be concerned a trusted employee takes that money, opens up a competing shop right across the street, right? So sometimes uh, business owners can, can put a, like a restriction, like I need to, you know, as the owner, I get to sort of approve or disapprove any access to the cash for whatever reason, because they might not want to do that. So, so, the, so the term golden handcuffs is just allows the employer to exercise some degree of control if, if they choose to, right? They don't always have to. They can just, here's the money, have a nice day, see you later. Um, but if they want to exercise some degree of control, they're allowed to do that. You know, generally you try and stay away from, well, you know what, uh, you can only access the cash on like the third Tuesday of the month after 4 p.m. <laughs> if it's cloudy out yeah. and you're like a uh, Virgo or something, right? Like, like you want to stay away from all that kind of stuff. That would just be a little bit too complicated. But generally, you're talking sort of either uh, a time or trigger, triggering mechanism is generally the, the easiest sort of... Uh, types of golden handcuffs because it's easy for everybody to understand and implement. But the purpose is really the underlying is to give it to them over time. It's a carrot. The, the yeah, it's they, basically a carrot. Yeah. The yeah, longer big, they commit to you, the yeah. longer you'll commit to them. Yeah, yeah. exactly, to them. exactly. And so um, you see this because um, uh, small businesses, especially the five-man shops, the ten-man shops, whatever, uh, you lose a key employee, mm -hmm. that business 
can get really hurt, right? And and you know, and I was a former commercial banker, and of course, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And I think back to some of the companies I dealt with, and now when I look back, I'm thinking, wow, that you know, maybe not the owner, but it could have been like the general manager. That if that person ever left, mm-hmm. man, that business is just going down the toilet. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't think about then, think about it all the time now. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a commitment on the part of the business to the employee. Uh, to ref- to sort of get the employee to commit back to the business or to show appreciation for the fact that the employee has shown commitment over time to, to the business, right? Because maybe this is a long-time employee. The nice thing about these structures is that you can, you know, we talked about the difficulty of attracting new employees and retaining new employee and retaining employees is you can put this in as a retirement plan. Like you want to, you want someone with you until they retire. Well, you can put that in so that fully vests retirement time, but you can put this in for just that one person without having to do it for everybody. You know, and there's and there's cost savings and there's a lot of a lot more flexibility around that. So you you can get kind of you know, you can get kind of creative with this depending on what the what the business owner is ultimately looking to do. Kind of goes to the same problem of instead of bringing in a 401k to solve that one person's problem and ignore the other nine, bring in something specialized right. just for that one or two right. people. And I think like Jack says, like traditionally people have in their head, I have to do a 401k. But I mean, most companies, Jack will tell you, most small companies will probably be much better off doing a simple. Right. Because it's easier to put into, and you don't have to have the buy-in of all the employees, and it's also not a not as big to to administer on the back end, so they're not going to pay the fees for it. Right. Um, so it's a much better option for them. But again, it's that whole mentality, and then it's the whole sales pitch of, oh yeah, you need a four hundred one k. No, I really don't. I really don't. Right. <laughs> like, and you don't. But business owners. They don't know what they don't know, and that's why I always get a little bit afraid when when they're told things. And it's like, no, let's sit down and explain this. Um, and I, it's funny because it, uh, talking of explaining things, I, I just have to say that um, New Hampshire changed their laws in terms of payroll uh, last year, I think it was. And it used to be in New Hampshire that you could only pay weekly unless you petitioned the state to ask to do something differently. So maybe you want to do bi-weekly. If you had salaried employees, maybe you wanted to do semi-monthly a month. <coughs> They didn't really enforce that, so a lot of businesses did go to the bi-weekly payrolls, but now you don't have to petition to have a bi-weekly payroll. So what people don't realize is that if they switch from a weekly to a bi-weekly payroll, it's usually going to be a cost savings on their payroll on the services by about 40%. Wow, that much. Wow, that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's huge. <laughs> well, because when you think about it, usually a bi-weekly payroll is probably about anywhere from 5 to probably... $15 more expensive than they're paying weekly, but they're now going from 52 to 26 payrolls. Right. So it's right. generally anywhere from 40 to 45% savings. Wow. That's but they huge. used to have to petition the state or just wing it and hope the state didn't catch up Notice. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We are in New Hampshire. But now they don't. The only time they have to petition now is if they want to do semi-monthly or monthly. And generally speaking, if you've got if you've got hourly employees, you do not want to be paying them semi-monthly. You are going to find yourself in trouble because there's going to be at least two months of the year where you're paying them eight days after, more than eight days after they finish their last day of work. So you generally want to, if you've got hourly employees, you generally want to pay them bi-weekly. But that's something that people just don't know. 
And it's or also... Or even consider if someone didn't no. say it to them. Oh, and yeah. it's the first thing I say to people, well, how often do you pay weekly? Well, you know you don't have to do that. Oh, no, I, no, no, you really don't. Hmm. Hmm, well, how much is it going to save me? And unlike their, their neighboring neighbors of Massachusetts, there's no, there's no law in New Hampshire that says you have to give a certain amount of time to switch a payroll. Massachusetts, you have to legally give written notice to your employees of 90 days. New Hampshire, you don't. You can change it right away. Wow. That, yes. Wow. That, that's that crazy? A, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd be willing to bet, and, and probably, and same thing your field too, just because those little details people don't know. I mean, 40% savings yes. is huge. I mean, that's... Yeah. That, You're running 26 less payrolls a year. That's crazy. <laughs> so when, when you think of a business as paying, maybe they have 15, 20 employees, what they're paying every single week, that they can now cut that And they can even half. stress out about half the deadlines of getting payroll in yeah so that makes exactly. sense too a yeah exactly stress level. <laughs> i know so now it's only two weeks instead of every week which comes around really quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the money still goes just as fast you know you I still got to pay the bill but. exactly um let me ask you a question though tim so now you're the the whole health insurance share the the how does that work from a payroll side? Is that still, uh, employees still be still able to put that through as a pre-tax or is it a post-tax deduction? It is, some of it's a post-tax um, yeah. deduction, um, but that's where, I mean, all this can get technical really fast. Yeah. But using things like health savings accounts, yep. where you're not necessarily getting on a pre-tax bi- uh, basis through the business, yep. but you're using all your, your out-of-pocket costs to get yeah. tax savings is one way to offset that, that um, medical cost sharing has really taken a turn to be able to incorporate yep. this in some of the strategies. Um, but it's, I don't know, it kind of speaks to everything that you guys say too. It's that it takes some per- personalization. Like you can't just walk in and say, all right, every 10 person business, this is how you need to do it. Yeah, It's going to be very much, all right, you're going to be looking for this mold of it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be looking for this mold. Only thing I can really encourage people to really do is getting an understanding of what medical cost sharing is because yeah. it doesn't matter really how you do it understanding what it is and the concept and that it's available to people out there that's the that's the biggest battle i mean it's yeah. the fact that people can take their heads and say i don't have to go with anthem harvard pilgrim or am better i have all these other options that work the same in all 50 states they cross state lines i can see any doctor you know it becomes this learning curve of the disbelief that this was really out there and they yeah, never knew no. about it and that everybody doesn't know about it and that's exactly what they say to me every time and I say, you know what? Don't trust me, like, just what I'm saying to you. Look at it. Look at look at the information that's out there. The one nice thing that all the companies that offer medical cost sharing know they have this hurdle. So the information that they put out there is very much to the fact that people are touching on this for the first time. It's not over people's head. It's not mm-hmm. overly complicated. Because at the end of the day, like I had said earlier, it's about paying less for healthcare. Yeah, it's yeah. dollars and cents. It's math. You know, I didn't. I didn't. Sorry, I, I didn't realize. I didn't think of it till just now when you said it. But just that flexibility and be able to sort of go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, because if you follow the news, and and this is not a political statement, okay? But if you if you follow <laughs> the news, Senator Rand Paul, he needed like he needs surgery, and I don't know if you saw, it, but he's going to Canada for it. Like, he's, like, shopping around because, it, like, the best hospitals up there, they do it for less money. But he's actually going to Canada for whatever surgery they needs, you know, which, but, you know, like, but having that kind of flexibility, because I know with my own kids, when they were growing up, it was, 
you know, whenever I switch companies or get new health insurance, like the first thing you check, right? Even before <coughs> the cost, the first things are the kids' doctors in network, yeah. right? Because if they're not in network, yep, can't go with them. Yeah, go with somebody else, right? It was it was always that issue was far more important in my family yeah. than than ultimately what the cost was because we knew that if the doctors weren't in network, it was just going to cost the point? Yeah, What's exactly. the point anyway? Yeah. Right? This, this actually leads me into something that this isn't a service I provide, but mm -hmm. someone that we're partnering out here with where, all right, you identify the problem is, you know, I'll take it to another step. Mm -hmm. People go to their primary care doctor. Yeah. What's their gripe? Right? Mm -hmm. The yep. doctor never yep. looks at them, yep. stands yep. behind a computer screen, asks them about wearing a seatbelt or whatever it is, and they're just like, yeah. I just want you to be my doctor right. and talk to me about my medical needs and what my concerns are. Well, there's a whole practice that's called direct primary cares. And we're partnering with them in New Hampshire, but throughout the country as well, where you pay a membership fee, and it's very affordable. I mean, for a family, it's usually around $100, an individual, any between $30 and $50. We get your own primary care doctor, and you can see them as much as you want. They're a person you talk to. You, I mean, they're, you go to their home. Sometimes they even go to the members' homes. Wow. You can call them. You can get prescriptions over the phone. So it takes back the relationship of someone having that with them. And their niche is that they don't have. They need their members to still retain something that's catastrophic mm -hmm. because a direct primary care does not do everything. Right. So to have a direct primary care with an insurance plan can get really expensive. But to have a direct primary care with a medical cost sharing for the catastrophic, oh, yeah. you're usually paying about half. So if wow. a family's paying 1500 bucks, you're looking at like $700. You now have your own doctor that you can have a relationship with. Your out-of-pocket exposure if something serious does happen is far less. You can see any doctor. And you have something that every year is not going to take this huge rate increase. Right, right. So this whole direct primary care world, going back to that, you know, Rand Paul going to Canada, yeah. he doesn't trust his doctors here. Right. Taking back this whole way, even these uh, medical cost sharing, which are also called health shares. So if I refer to that, it's the same thing. They approve a lot of holistic medicine and naturopathic medications and things like that or medical practices. They're out of the scope of... All right, you need to go to a primary care who needs to refer to you to this. We're right. only going to approve it if it's approved through this. That process is really taking out of this world. And that's what people end up enjoying about actually using it. I mean, they love saving money, but they also say, wow, I actually have better medical attention on top right. of everything. So if you go in to pitch to a small business, mm -hmm. do you have to get 100% buying? Can you get some people to buy in? No, typically you won't. And no, it's not yeah. required at yeah. all. Um, some people still require a regular insurance plan. Yeah. Some people may qualify for financial assistance where they're paying 50 bucks for that insurance yeah. plan. That's a good plan for you to stick on. <laughs> yeah. But what was happening before is you had these small employers that were trying to offer health insurance trying to do the right thing yeah. wholeheartedly they're trying to do the right thing for their employees but once they offer it to all their employees that employee if he's making 30,000 a year he was paying $50 for his health insurance he can no longer do that anymore right that employer blocked him from being able to get financial assistance yeah. so now picture this employer paying half the employee paying half yeah so the employees putting in the employers putting in and now this employee's paying three times as much as he was before yeah and this plan's probably not as good as it right. was before. So now you really, 
instead of golden handcuffs, you're handcuffing your arm. Right, right. You're doing the opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you really are handcuffing. And this was, ha I mean, at the beginning of the whole, inter you know, Affordable Care Act going into play, this was a huge thing you'd run into constantly. Small businesses are offering benefits less and less, so it's kind of not a good thing necessarily, but they are doing the right thing because they're not hurting their employees by, you know, blocking them in that retrospect. But this becomes a great solution because, all right, four employees want it, great. There's no regulations on how you have to offer it. Yeah. You do it as you want to a company based on what your employees need because every yeah. 10 employees are going to be different yeah. from company to company, especially when it comes to health. Yeah. Because I would That's imagine nice. in your role, um, <clears throat> Zoe, that – you know, when you you mentioned earlier, like if you if you have an employer who says, "Hey, you know, I'm paying you fifty thousand dollars, right, a salary," and they understand, you know, understand taxes and stuff, but I would imagine it's got to be a real shock that when an employer sees, okay, the salary's fifty, the taxes are this, the benefits <laughs> cost that. What do you mean I'm really paying this guy? What right? That's got to be kind of a shocking moment for all all employers, right, when they sort of finally realize. None that comes through me, because I always, I have my spreadsheet, I go, oh, this is how much you pay, and here's your breakdown. So, you know, your $500 a week is actually going to be closer to 600 um, and that's not including health insurance or anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that they don't realize is, again, it's not just what you're paying them, it's the additional pieces that you have to pay. Right. is a big one. <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of people go. Oh, can't I just can't I just make the employee pay twice? No, that's, that's, no, no, that's sort of against the law. Really, but... how this works? Or is the state unemployment? <coughs> well, it's their benefit. Why aren't they paying? Well, again, no. Like this is unfortunately, no. This is this is the cost of doing business, and it's the cost of doing business in any state. It's not just New Hampshire. Um, that's something you have to pay into. And I mean, things happen, and employees get laid off, and. New Hampshire's much easier. It's much easier in New Hampshire for an employer to let an employee go, but they still have a right to apply for unemployment. As an employee, you have to pay into it. Now, let me ask the two of you something. Uh, something I'm kind of curious about is, um, you know, we work across industries, right, in our in our respective fields. So it doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, I know for each of us, sort of like if we have like an auto auto body shop versus like a <coughs> architectural firm, right. But are there particular industries, for the two of you, where it tends to work better? Or are there particular industries where it's a little bit tougher, maybe administratively, um, to do what you do? I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I would imagine probably something really high turnover might be, you know, might take a little bit more administration. But does that... Or does it truly just not matter? I see, for me, it's not really, it's not, no, not really. Um, it doesn't matter if you, what industry you're in, doesn't matter where you are, it's going to be the same wherever, wherever you are, whatever industry. If you have high turnover, I mean, if you have a restaurant that has high turnover, it doesn't matter where they are, what they do, they're, they're going to have high turnover, and there are going to be. But you put pieces in place to make sure to mitigate that. So, for instance, for a restaurant, if you've got high turnover, um, you make sure that do the direct deposits. And if, a, if an employee doesn't have a bank account, when they come in and they sign their paperwork to sign up for payroll as your employee, you give them a bank card and you say your money will be on the bank card. Mm -hmm. seen a lot doing that too. Oh my goodness. Well, there's that. no charge. Usually there's no charge for the employer. <laughs> and the problem is, and <laughs> you, you'd be surprised. I laugh because I just think of all the times in my lifetime I've seen it. You'd be surprised how many employees do not cash their checks. And then, or they'll lose them. And then 10 months later, they will come back and go, yeah, you know, I never cashed that check. And now I can't cash it. 
Not to mention the fact that if you have checks uh, written and delivered, you're paying a delivery fee. See, I'm a mum of three. I'm all about the cost savings, especially for a small <laughs> business. If you can get all your employees on direct deposit, then you don't have to have anything delivered. Right, right. There's a there's a bookstore in Harvard um, Square down in Boston, and they they literally they were the first ones that I saw doing this. They would hand them the pack of new employee information, and there would be the debit card if you didn't have a bank account. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, it it just worked so well. So when you have high turnover, that's definitely a way to keep your costs down a little bit. I just think that's really kind of funny. You read about the state, you know, what I read about is the state of, uh, of, of uh, the finances of the average American family. And I just can't even envision, right? So maybe these employees yeah. are only hiring people who are independently wealthy because I just, I just, it's just such a mind-blowing thing like oh yeah i got paid like 10 months ago and i never cashed checks i i guess i just didn't need the money the, rest, the restaurant world though is more like you get tips and you're right, making right. what 285 an hour or something uh, oh no it's a bit more than that these okay. days it's, it's was it four something i think it is okay, but, uh, so you get a 15 dollar check and it's like yeah. and then right. you're it's a little bit less but um but um they still some of them still get big checks believe it or not and you know what i i'm really seeing a trend in is restaurants are now requiring all staff to pull their tips and the credit card tips and everything is paid through payroll. Oh really? Okay. You as a restaurant owner, you should never ever be paying your employees the credit card tips at the end of the night. You as an employer have not received that money yet because your your credit card usually spits the money out to you in anywhere from 28 to 48, 72 hours afterwards. <clears throat> so you're floating that employee their tips. Right, right. And that hurts your bottom line, your cash flow. Right. And now I'm seeing more and more that cash tips are being pulled, and those are also being put on payroll. Wow. Mm -hmm. So the checks are getting bigger. Yeah, they're making a bigger check. Yeah. 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 Well, and also, it also, first of all, I've chimed in like half an hour. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, hi, Chris. <laughs> you guys are doing great. No, but what I'll see, you know, from my end, I used to be in, you know, um, like car sales and all stuff like that. I would constantly get people coming in who were like, oh, I'm a waitress. Okay. Well, this is my check, and I'm like, so you're clearly not declaring any of your money, right? <laughs> right. So, I mean, that as why much I, as why the would I do that? yeah, as I know, right? As much as the you know the employees who kind of get annoyed about that type of thing, like you're also helping them at the same time, you are. like because you're being the business owner, like yeah. you kind of you know you're helping them through their stupidity almost. Yeah. <laughs> so. You are, and you you'd be surprised because. Okay, there's a whole system on the back end of a payroll system that figures out what they call the tips to minimum. So it takes what they've earned as their base, like their whatever it is, you know, I think it's three something in New Hampshire. Um, and then it figures out with the tips to make sure that they're making a minimum wage. Oh, make, make it at least to it, them the, yes, the minimum. Yes, yeah, otherwise right, right, the restaurant right. has to kick in. Right. So I can't tell you the amount of people that, that will figure out to like that penny with their tips and then not declare the rest of them. But the problem is that red flags them with the IRS. So if they are making minimum wage at a restaurant, that will flag them with the IRS because the IRS says, no, no, no. <laughs> no, you work at a restaurant, I'm guaranteeing you're not making just minimum wage. Right. Unless you're awful, but... <laughs> well, that's well, why I always right, say... Right, right. And I always say that, well, is there, are they really that bad? They go, no, they're a great waitress. Well, then they're really not declaring the right amount of tips. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, that's a simple fact. But again, it's it, I think it's just helpful for a business, especially a restaurant business, where their cash flow is usually pretty tight, is to pool everything and pay it in their paycheck, which can be paid bi-weekly. 
<laughs> so now, so what about you, Tim? Does it does it matter at all when for you, industry? When you asked that question earlier, the only one that came to mind was restaurants. Okay. And it's not that it's bad. It's that they're tricky. Part-time people, low wages. Sometimes you even say you offered health insurance as a restaurant. Well, usually you have it deducted from their paycheck. If they get a $13 paycheck, they might not have enough money. So you have to set right. up another right. mechanism to draft from their account. Lots of turnover. Right. So... Yeah, sorry, restaurant owners out there. I know there's a, a lot of yeah. headaches running a restaurant. Benefits can be one of them, too. Yeah. <laughs> I know in my field, it, it would be kind of the same thing, is if you wanted to set up a 401k structure, but if you have high turnover, low wages, it's very difficult. Where I tend to see restaurants that have 401ks tend to be your higher end. The staff yeah. is a little bit more stable. They tend to stick around. Uh, in, in my field, um, uh key employees instead you know where, where you want to do some of these alternative structures would be like the restaurant General managers manager. and yeah. assistant managers where they tend to stay but they work really long hours you know and you really depend on them to yeah. manage that location right mm -hmm. or or the restaurant when you're not there so that they would be uh, sort of perfect candidates for some of the things that i've talked about because they don't turn over, right? You, you can't, it's hard to do, theoretically, you can do that for your average waiter or waitress, but but the the general nature of the business where it's kind of a revolving door in the staff, it, it would it would be terribly cost ineffective to do that. But, you know, I, I have a question, as I, and I just thought of this as I'm sitting, but I know, Zoe, you talked about sort of difference of uh, uh, sort of employees versus contractors, mm -hmm. and generally when we talk about benefits, like health insurance, we're always talking about as employees, but could could you do a health share? Could a business do a health share for a contractor as part of their comp? Oh yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. So I'm gonna pay you this, but real, but I'm not gonna pay you more salary. But I will cover the cost of some of your health shares. It's not salary because they're a contractor. Oh, so yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, you can't say that. That's right. Yeah. Part of your pay, whatever your yeah. vendor. I had payment. someone that texted me yesterday. Can I offer this to my um, 1099 contractors that I contract out? Absolutely, you can run it through your business as a benefit to make you look better to them, because you're giving them access to this. Maybe you're helping with the, you know, just making the payment process simpler. But yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to get creative. Do something out of the box. It actually brings up a, something I was going to ask earlier because you had mentioned contractors versus. 1099, no, that's not uh, employees yeah, versus 1099. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And because that's a route I see a lot of companies going now um, as I speak to them, especially, you know, a small company, they don't know what to do. <laughs> so they're like, we don't want to bring on an employee, let's hire someone 1099 mm -hmm. to work instead. And that can be a little crazy as far as like, because this is probably an area where it's like, yeah, you're hiring a 1099, but they're. Mm -hmm technically they're functioning as a w-2 but you're not paying them correctly and so you want to go over some of that a little bit sure so the, <laughs> so the irs has very strict rules on whether you're a 1099 or a w-2 employee and jack will tell you i've done presentations before for small businesses and i always say if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck it's a w-2 employee if you physically ask that person to come to your location to do their work and they don't own their own company, then they're a W-2 employee. Just by the nature of you've asked them to come to your location. If you tell them what they need to do during the day and you manage them, they're a W-2 employee. If they are using your equipment, they're a W-2 employee. Now where you find the, the, biggest, um, the biggest majority of 1099 contractors is generally construction. 
Um, and they, it, it, but again, you're asking them to come to a location. They generally are using your tools. Are they a 1099 contractor? Absolutely not. Because you then get into the issue of because they're contractors, they're not covered by your insurance. Yeah. So they're not covered by your workers' comp. The other problem is you, especially people that are just, just don't know any better, you're not paying their taxes for them. So now they have to put in their own taxes. Mm. Now all of a sudden they owe taxes in <coughs> April. And that's where businesses get into trouble when they these people file their taxes and <laughs> there's nothing to file because they haven't paid any. And now they have a huge bill due. Now they go back to the employer and they go, whoa, whoa wait a minute. And that's when the business gets into trouble. Yeah. Because now the IRS comes down and says, ooh, we want our money. And some right, penalties right. and yeah. interest. <laughs> it always sounds appealing to the business for the 1099 too. I came from, I was out in Vegas for quite a while. Every hair salon, nail salon out there, they're all yeah. 1099. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, even um, a lot of car salesmen, a lot of salesmen yeah. in general are contractors and stuff right. like yeah. that. But then, like, just like you said, you know, they have to be at the place working. They don't really have tools because we're salesmen, we just talk. Yeah. But you, you same issue, yeah. and you're like, you're actually not a 1099. <laughs> you can't ask me to be You'll here at 9 o'clock and tell yeah. me I'm a contractor. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> write me up because I'm late. Yeah. Like, I'm a 1099. You can't tell me where to be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See, I'm one of those odd fish. So I am a contractor. You know, when I go into a help a business, not necessarily on location, but wherever I am, I own my own company. I contract out my services. Yeah. And I don't just work for one business. I work for multiple businesses. Yeah. So that's a bit different. You know, if you were, if you were traveling car sales, yeah, I know they're long gone. But, um, you, you went to multiple dealerships throughout the week, hmm, and technically maybe you could be considered. But you would tell them when you're going to show up. Yeah, yeah. I've heard over the years where this is, oh, they're going to enforce this rule. They're going to enforce. I never see it get enforced. Really, it though. does. Okay. And you know what's interesting is they go after smaller businesses now because they're oh, really? they're easy fish to fry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. They go after them, and it's the smaller businesses that they have. There was one in Lowell that got had. Mm, little over a year ago, they got half for millions and millions of dollars. They wow, got half the penalties sick, are that big. Wow. They got half for sick time, they got half for 1099 contractors, underage workers, the whole gamut. They ran the gamut. Oh, yeah. Got some underage workers in there. There were, they, every infraction you could possibly Wow, get. we're checking I-9s. <laughs> but it wasn't a huge, yeah, and it wasn't, yeah, really, it was not a huge company, and that's the thing. It had maybe 25, 30 employees, and they got hammered. Um, but it, because somebody probably went to file their taxes and they don't have any taxes to file, now it starts to trickle down. So and this is where you have to be careful as a business owner because they're not just looking at you who's made the complaint. They're going to go back seven years and they're going to look at every single person that's been on that payroll. Wow. So now you've just opened your whole can of And orders. it's to the IRS. And the state, yeah. and everybody. So they haven't paid into state unemployment. So now you haven't paid into state unemployment for how many employees, for how many years? Now we're going to go back and we're going to get you on that as well. It's not worth it. In the long run, yeah. it's truly not worth it for a small business to risk it. The amount that they pay to have them as an employer, employee versus a contractor, is it worth the risk? I don't think so. I own a construction company. None of my guys are 1099. None of them. Yeah, no, not worth it. It's not as a small business owner. It's right. not worth it. Right. Yeah, and I think, as I said earlier, they just don't know. No, they don't. Because it's confusing. Yeah. And you know, we have law upon law upon law stacked up, and yeah. there's so many different ways, you know, because I, I run this little business, which is just me, right? Yeah. But I have another one that we're getting up and off the ground, and we're at the point where we're considering hiring for a couple of things, and 
Yeah. Um, even my partner's like, well, do you want to hire contractors? I'm like, let me ask the questions first because <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. this is going to yeah. come yeah. up if you just yeah. And like, because there's a lot of loopholes there and a lot of problems yeah. and hurdles and you just have no idea so it can be confusing. Yeah. Which is why I put this panel together so we can talk about it. <laughs> and you know what's interesting is the people interest. go, and, they, and the people will Partially. tell you, and the, and the people will say to you, oh yeah, but you know, I've known them for years. They're such a good friend. Ooh, those are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> they are the worst, I'm telling you. Nope. No, that's the worst person to hire because that is the person that's going to blow the whistle. When you upset them down the road mm -hmm. and they realize that you've been doing things wrong, they are going to be the whistleblower. Yeah, they you know everything. The they know everything. And you will, yeah. every single business has one person that knows every single <coughs> law down to the letter. And you better be careful because you have that one person everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, I mean, I think that's what uh, we were talking about at the beginning is that just business owners in general are just so busy running their business. Yeah. Right, it's hard to know this because I know I've sat in on your presentation before, and I and I, I told you I, I got scared. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, that scary. <laughs> um, you know, like I, you know, but it it scared in that it I realized that I don't know everything, and I'm going to need professional help. Yeah. Right, versus uh, versus oh, I'll figure this out. Hey, I watched a couple of YouTube videos, and I'll figure this out. Right, what's yeah. the big deal? Uh, you know, and same thing. Health insurance is so you know health insurance health shares so complicated i mean there's all these buttons and levers you can customize coverage and this and the other i mean just even picking you know for a normal employee i remember just picking and comparing provisions was just mm -hmm. this covers this but it doesn't cover this and it's just so complicated you know um and then on top of you know we're business on top of everything else we have to do right oh yeah <laughs> find a client that maybe take care of them too <laughs> but it, i think it all goes back to you need the right professional for the right job so you know when you're talking about health insurance you need somebody who's dedicated to just health insurance when you're talking about retirement 401k whatever flavor you want you want somebody that's an expert in their in their field you know, payroll administration, you want somebody who's an expert in their field. You don't want a one-stop-fits-all. No matter how much a business thinks they want to do everything under one roof, it's not necessarily the best option. Yeah, they ultimately think they're simplifying things by, yes. hey, just one face is all you got to do, but, yeah, but you're going to probably lose out on a lot of right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> options. Yeah. Right. It's tough. Right. Yeah, I know with, um, I, and I would imagine health shares cover prescriptions. I know if we just had to get a prescription for my stepdaughter, even without the without insurance, it was like seven hundred bucks. Oh my goodness! With with insurance, so our copay, and so I'm on my wife's insurance, and she works. She's a public school teacher, so they have the state contract. <coughs> even with insurance, still like one fifty. Like yeah. she went to go pick it up and was just shocked. She you know she texted me, can you believe how much this is? And you know, but it's so important to get that right. I mean, I can't even imagine having to pay the 700 if I didn't have like an HSA or an FSA or whatever mm -hmm. to at least cover some, you yeah, know. At least if you're gonna spend it, make it tax yeah, to yeah. some of that cost, exactly. you know, mm -hmm. so. Especially this year, because there's a lot more you can't deduct this year. Right. That's right. a whole nother show, of course. Yeah. That's another show, that's another show. Prescriptions and that, we'll, we'll do that in a different yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't told you that one. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. This has been awesome. Good. So, I don't know whether to continue. We've been going for almost an hour now. Oh, good grief. Which is... Really? Huh? Yep. Yep. So time flies when you have fun, Chris. Yep. So, I think that's actually a good leaving off point. We've covered a lot. Is there anything anyone wants to go over kind of before we take off? No. So we covered a lot of stuff in the last... It was on point. <laughs> hour, yeah. Yep. Cool. Awesome. So, let me spin this puppy around here real quick. 
because I turned that so I could see you guys because you're more important than I am in this. <laughs> okay, cool. So thank you guys so much for watching. Um, let me actually one more time go through the list. Everyone tell me who you are. Uh, Zoe Hornsby from Assisting Businesses Virtually. Timothy Irish, Plants and Distinct Benefits. Jack Wang, Longhorn Financial. Cool. And like I said, pretty much everyone here has been on the show already. We have to schedule a time to actually sit down and talk, which would be awesome. <laughs> um, and everyone be good. If you have questions, reach out. I've put their names in the description and everything like that so you can find them. And uh, like I said, if you need help, it's better to get it than make that mistake. So <laughs> everyone be good. Have a great day. Thanks, Chris.